are going to continue through our Advent series. Uh, this is the third week of Advent. If you notice the Advent wreath, it's the the pink candle in the Advent uh, calendar or in the Advent wreath. The third week is always the joy week, um, most of the time in the the Advent circle. And so, for some reason, I've never understood why the joy candle is the pink one and the love candle goes back to purple. Uh, if I was doing it, I'd, I'd make the love candle the, like the pink one um, because love is, you know, the most powerful thing on the earth. It changes uh, our lives. It's the love of God. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if that's, um, there's a reason or significant for that, but um, if you've got a Bible, I want to encourage you to go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I've got a few people that are going to help me do some reading today. Um, today's message is called Every Moment Holy. Every Moment Holy. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 2, not the traditional uh, Christmas story, the birth of Jesus at the beginning of the chapter, but we're going to pick up in verse 22, and uh, we're going to read all the way down through the end of the chapter. And thankfully, uh it was on my heart. I wanted to have some people help me with the reading. Praise the Lord. That was wisdom. Um, but I'm going to start in verse 22, and then a few people are going to help me, and they're going to pick up uh, later in the chapter. But I don't have it on the screen, so you'll either need your paper Bible, or you can use your Bible app on your phone, or you can just listen. But Luke 2, 22, it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents, Mary and Joseph, took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Marv? Old Timon, who who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for consolation of Israel and by the Holy Spirit and in and and the Holy Spirit was upon him. I had revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would be not die before he seen the Messiah, the Lord Messiah. My, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple's courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do him what the custom of the law required, Simon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of the nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined designate to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that he that will be spoken against. 
so the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and the sword will pierce your own soul, too. Now there was Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband several years from her virginity. And this wo woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Nazareth Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, his, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking, of, thinking he was in their company, they traveled for a day. Then they began looking for his, him along their relatives and friends. They did not find him. They went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. <laughs> Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was trying to say to them. When he went down to Nazareth with them <laughs> and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all of the things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and structure and, and then in favor of, with God and man. All right. Thank you, guys. You did a great job. And you saved my voice. That was great. So when we talk about every moment holy, um, when we refer to the Christmas story, we talk about that holy night, the holy child. Um, maybe you've had moments in your life that you've described as like a holy moment. Uh, it could be a worship service where you've maybe experienced or encountered the God in some way that you just sensed that he was there. It was like different. It was set apart. It was otherly, if you will. Because the word holy, that's all it means. It means set apart. It means different, totally unique. That's what that word means. It doesn't mean um, behave ourselves or live a certain way. Uh, it means set apart. You can have holy moments in your quiet time. You can have holy moments in nature. I believe you can have holy moments in a downtown, like, major city. Um, I think you can have a holy moment anywhere you open your heart to a holy God. In fact, I believe for those of us who have received the Spirit of God, 
There are no mundane moments. There are moments that feel mundane, but there are no mundane moments. Every moment is holy. The Spirit of God does not come in us and depart from us. He stays in us. So when you're at work and you're tired and crabby, he's present. You don't feel him, you feel crabby, but he's there. I think as the body of Christ, we need to learn how to live in these every moment holy moments. How to overcome the, I don't feel his presence, because I think we've sensationalized the Christmas story a lot. I don't, it was just an ordinary day. Uh, Yeah, I mean, seeing the angels, the shepherds were like, boom. But these wise men, these astrologers from the, the East, why did they decide? Hey, that star seems significant. What made Simeon, a man who was apparently very studied in the scripture, all of a sudden moved by the Spirit? What does that mean? What does it mean to be moved by the Spirit? How many of us are moved by the Spirit and maybe don't move? How many of us maybe would have missed this moment? This holy moment that many people experienced. They recognized Jesus as the Messiah, Simeon and Anna, when he was a child. Many people, when he was opening blinded eyes and raising the dead, didn't even recognize him as the Messiah. So what separated them? Then we have Jesus in the temple, and we're going to talk about these people, but I want to go back to what we shared a few weeks ago in Matthew chapter 13. So if you have your Bible, you can turn back to Matthew chapter 13. Put your finger in Luke 2. We're going to come back. Because we talked about the parables that are in Matthew chapter 13, and I asked the question, with the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils, what kind of soil are we? And there are four different kinds of soils that we talked through. There's the hard ground, there's the rocky soil, there's the thorny soil, and there's the good soil. And we, we talked about these conditions of our hearts and ultimately how Jesus says that this parable is a foundational parable. He tells his disciples, if you don't understand this one, how will you understand anything? And the reason that he said that is because this parable is all about how we're responding to the word of God. Interesting. It's about how we're responding to the Word of God. Either our hearts are hard, and so the Word of God, maybe a word in a, a church service, eh, eh. Our hearts hard. Maybe our hearts are in the rocky soil where we're like, yes, God's with me, God's with me. And then I go to lunch and something bad happens or somebody says something or my spouse says something that I take the wrong way and it ticks me off. Oh, boom, out the window. The rocky soil. Maybe it's the thorny soil. Oh, yes, God is with me. Oh, oh, I got to be real time. Oh, I just got a text message. It's not really be real time. Don't panic. That was just a joke. Oh, I got, oh, I got to watch this football game. Thank God I have football on my phone so I can watch it everywhere I go. I don't have to choked out by the cares and the anxieties of life. The good soil is the soil that perseveres. Hears the word, receives it, 
and continues to put it into practice, lives as if every moment is holy. I'm going to respond to the word, not just the word that God spoke here, but every word he's ever spoken to us. How many of us, God has spoken something and said, hey, I want you to step out in this area. And maybe we did for a few days, weeks, months. Now we're back to doing what we were doing before. And this isn't a message to be like, oh man, we're just terrible. It's a message to say, hey, let's be good soil. I don't want to be rocky soil. I don't want to be thorny soil. I don't want to be hard soil. I want to be good soil. So if there's something I've been neglecting, God, help me to to reestablish that. Help me to put down the roots that I need to just be persistent in that thing. Help me not to forget. Help me to remember. Because the Spirit of God lives in us to help us with that. That's his purpose. In Mark chapter 4, when Jesus is talking about this parable, he says, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. In other words, if you take what the Lord says and you start putting it into practice and you obey, you get more. There's so many people that are like, oh, I just need a word from God, but haven't actually put into practice the last word he gave them, but they're looking for a new one. And he's like, I already gave you my word. Do it. Do what I told you the first time. Not in a demanding mean, I know it kind of comes across that way with a bad voice, but in a, I already told you what to do. All you have to do is just keep putting it into practice. And hey, I've given you my spirit to help you put it into practice. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus says these words about this parable. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart, verse 15, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. That sounds kind of crazy. The disciples are like, why are you talking to the crowds in parables? And Jesus is saying, I'm talking to them in parables because otherwise they'd hear me and understand. In other words, I'm not going to put the cookies on a bottom shelf where I just tell them flat out, here it is, but I'm going to give them just enough to stir their hearts because they need to want it. Jesus is okay if you don't want him. I mean, it breaks his heart, but he is not going to force himself upon you. He's going to reveal himself, and then he's going to say, what are you going to do with what I've given you? Are you going to believe it? Are you going to believe it's from me? I mean, it felt like it was from the Lord, but when I started putting it into practice, it got hard. You're right. That's where you keep putting it into practice. You don't want to be the rocky soil that just stops because it got hard. Oh, I just got busy, and I just kind of forgot. I know, I don't want to be the thorny soil that just forgot. The, the thing about this parable is you don't have to stay in whatever condition you're in right now unless you're the good soil. You can do whatever it needs to be done to move into being good soil. So then Jesus goes on and he tells them two more parables. I want to look at these parables really quick, and then I want to go back to our, our characters. A few weeks ago, we talked a little bit about them. I want to look at them a little deeper. Verse 31, Jesus says this parable because he's trying to get them to understand the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is different than you've imagined. 
is what he's trying to tell them. Now, I know for those of us that have grown up in church, we're pretty much locked in on what we think the kingdom of God is. But I'm going to tell you, the moment you think you've got it all figured out, you're bound to miss it. The moment you think you've got it all figured out, you're bound to miss it. Man, Jesus came to show them what they thought they had figured out wasn't the full thing. Before his second coming, I think his spirit is coming to show us the same thing. What you think you figured out isn't the whole thing. This is what he says. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Stop. What's the big deal? Here's the big deal. Mustard is a noxious weed. So let's put this in modern terms. The kingdom of heaven is like a dandelion seed that a man took and planted in his field. Who on earth would do that? Like, that's going to take over. Like, you don't want mustard. It's, gonna, it's like, you put mustard in your garden, it's taking over everything. You can't get rid of it. So already these people are like, the kingdom of God is like mustard seed. What? It's not that it's just so small and it grows into this big plant. It's that it's so counterintuitive to what you think it is. Then he goes on. It's the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes of tree. Can I tell you something? A mustard seed that is a garden plant never becomes a tree. There are mustard trees, but they do not grow from plants. It's a totally different thing. So now again, they're like, it does not become a tree that the birds perch on. What is Jesus talking about? Anytime Jesus says something that's hard to understand, there's a reason. He's trying to draw you to something. I believe he's drawing them to Ezekiel chapter 17. I mentioned that back when we talked about this the last time, but we didn't read Ezekiel 17, so let's read it. Verse 22, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and I plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the forest will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. In other words, the kingdom is going to be something that you don't expect. In fact, it might even be like a noxious weed at first to you, but I promise you that the kingdom will become unstoppable and it will grow to a place where it becomes a shade and a refuge for the nations. That's what he's telling them. But they'd have to dig for that. They'd have to know their scripture for that. So then he tells them another parable in verse 33. It's just one verse long. He told them this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. What? Yeast, every single time, is representative of sin. It's the world. The feast of unleavened bread, the Passover. You don't have any yeast because it represents sin and the world. Why is the kingdom like yeast? Jesus, it's not like yeast. No. No. 
pick something else. His disciples are like, yeast. What's he doing? It's because the kingdom of God is not like you expect. Over and over, Jesus taught this. So the woman mixed it into 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. 60 pounds of flour, my calculations, well, at least what I could find on Google, correct me if I'm wrong, about 50 loaves of bread, give or take, depending on the size of your loaf, I guess. 60 pounds of flour, 50 loaves of bread. She's not making bread for her family. She's making bread for a community. Where else do we find someone using 60 pounds of flour? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's only one other place. Genesis chapter 18, verse 6, the only other time someone used this much flour, Abraham ran back to the tent. Hurry, get three large measures, by the way, that's 60 pounds, of your best flour, knead it into dough, and make some bread. Who's he making bread for? Three strange foreign men that happened to stop by on their way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. They stopped to tell Abraham, hey, we're going to bless you, and you're going to have a child in a year. And so Abraham makes 60, 50 loaves of bread along with the fattened calf to feed three people. Why? I mean, did he really make 50 loaves of bread I don't know. But here's the point. The kingdom is all about extreme radical generosity. Abraham was chosen to be God's person because of the character of his heart, because Abraham was this kind of guy. So what do we learn from these two parables? Here's four things we learn. The kingdom of God is counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive. We always have to allow our hearts and minds to be transformed because the moment we start thinking we've figured out how the kingdom works, we will miss it. It's not about me being dependent upon me because I know how the kingdom works. I am always dependent upon the Spirit of God. Always. Because I will, I will miss it when I don't. I'll think it's left when it's right. I'll think God's not at work in that situation. God could never be at work in that person. And I'll miss it. It's a counterintuitive kingdom, and we have to ask the question to the Holy Spirit, am I missing you? Am I missing you? Sometimes we're so frustrated with our job that we think we're the only one that's not the problem. (laughs) Ask the Holy Spirit what you're missing because it's not just everybody else. You're part of the problem too. And you're in the place that he's put you in, whether it's your marriage, whether it's the relationship, whether it's your job, whether it's the community, wherever you are. I know it seems like it would just be easier to change our circumstances. God's not about changing circumstances. He's about changing us. Because when we get transformed, our circumstances start to get transformed too. Praise God, that's some good preaching with a bad voice, Pastor Tom. I am not saying that we can't know anything for certain. We can. I'm just saying we need a lot more humility in our initial responses to circumstances and to people. Because when we start to think we've got it figured out, we're going to miss it. Number two, the kingdom starts small. It always starts small. 
do not despise the day of small beginnings. If you want to experience the kingdom, be faithful in small things. It's the small things. If we cannot be faithful in small things, more will not be given. The kingdom will not grow. It's, it's, it's that. It's always starts small. Number three, the kingdom is unstoppable. <laughs> this is my favorite one. Because I don't know about you, but I'd, I don't live life perfectly. I don't. I don't hear the word, and I'm not always good soil, just doing it all, like blah, 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 producing this harvest. Praise the Lord. No. So, uh, so many times I screw up royally, and here's what I found. The kingdom keeps growing. It doesn't take my perfection. It just takes my participation. In fact, it doesn't even need my participation because if I walk away from it, it'll still grow. The Messiah will still come even if I don't recognize him because someone will recognize him. It just needs our participation. The fourth thing, the kingdom is all about becoming a blessing to others, especially outsiders and outcasts. The foreigners. It was the foreigners in Ezekiel 17. It was the foreigners as in Genesis chapter 18. It's always the people we don't want it to be. For the Jewish people, it was always foreigners because it was the Gentiles. For us, it's whoever you don't want it to be. I believe, I don't know if it's scriptural, but I believe the depth of my relationship with God is seen in the worst relationship I have. Because it's easy to love some people, and I can point to good things I've done. I can point to things that people that I love, but the bad relationships that I have or the disobedient areas of my life, that's actually the depth of my relationship with God. That's how deep him and I go because I'm holding all of that back. Who don't you want it to be? Okay, so let's go back. Simeon. Simeon we see in verses 25 through 28, he's a guy that is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon is faithful. He's persevering. He is not sitting at home binging on Netflix. He's not just, okay, the Holy Spirit told me that I'm going to like meet the Messiah, so I'm just going to play games on my phone till he shows up. Guarantee you that's not what he's doing. There's nothing wrong with binging shows on Netflix or Hulu or your whatever social platform of choices. There's nothing wrong with playing games on your phone. But to think that we are going to recognize the Messiah if we do not become people of this book, (laughs) it won't happen. It won't happen. I mean, we'll show up at church on Sunday. We'll hear some good messages. But if we want to transform the city of Huron, if we want to recognize where the kingdom is in operation, we have got to be people of the book not just a verse or two here and there. We've got to learn it. We've got to study it. We've got to memorize it. We've got to eat that. We've got to choose it over the remote control once in a while. We have got to say, I need more. I need to study it with other people. I need to be in community with people. I need to know what other people think in that verse. I I don't want to just become in my own mind. A wise man takes many counselors around him. The foolish man says in his own heart, no, I got it. I'm wise in my own eyes. I know how to interpret this book. I know what this book means. I don't need anybody else in my life. 
Does that mean you won't make it to heaven? Does that mean you'll lose your salvation? No, it's not about that. This is about whether or not we want to transform the city of Huron. See, I don't want to make it to heaven. I don't. I mean, I do. But that's not my goal. My end game is I want to see a revival that transforms the city of Huron. I did not live here for 26 years to make it to heaven. I lived here for 26 years because I believe something can happen in this city that transforms the hearts and minds of every person that lives in this city. But it's not going to come if I'm not going to be like Simeon. If I'm not going to be willing to be a guy that gets in the book to recognize when the consolation of Israel is about to happen. If I'm not going to be a guy that knows what it is to be moved by the Spirit. You know what this takes? This takes perseverance. Look at what Galatians 6 says. Let us not become weary in doing good, because at the proper time we reap a harvest if we do not give up. I got to keep doing good. I know it's hard. I know that I stopped for like two years. But now it's time to start again. It's time to say, you know what? It's time to get in the word. It's time to be a man or woman of the word. It's time to obey the word. It's time to follow through on commitments that I've made. It's time to be a person that's moved by the spirit. I'm not content to be uninformed about how the spirit works. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse one, about the matters pertaining to the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant or unaware. I know I should stop being so excited. Not because I'm not excited, but I don't want to lose my voice. People, what are we doing to not be ignorant about how the Spirit works? The supernatural presence of the living God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and I so that we can barely hang on till Jesus comes. False. Do you see how we have been lulled to sleep? I mean, we're just drifting through life. Hey, just another week. You know, just enjoying life, living in the good city of Huron, eating my pop ice cream. Yummy, yummy, yummy. We're world changers. That's why the Spirit is in us. So what are you doing every single day to say, Holy Spirit, I need to know how you speak? When we come to worship services, who's stepping out? I am so glad you stepped out today, sister, because that would have been weird to say when no one did. Who's, the, I mean, do we, well, we, I mean, we don't really need the Holy Spirit to move. No, we don't. And we'll all probably make it to heaven when Jesus returns. But there's going to be a whole host out there that don't. And it's time that you and I start understanding we're not on, on the earth just to make it to heaven. Or we just get sucked off when we accept Jesus. We're here to transform this planet by the power of the Spirit. Then we have Anna. Oh, God love Anna. By the way, I just thought Marv was the perfect Simeon. Like, I picked the people because I'm like, not because, I mean, it doesn't tell us how old Simeon is, but I, I, I figure he's a stately guy. He's an older guy. He knows the book. <laughs> if you've never heard Marv quote the book, you ought to listen sometimes. It's in there. So when we come to Anna, I picked Marlene because I can picture Marlene walking into a conversation and hearing a testimony and just getting excited about that and just 
telling everybody else about it. Like, that's the kind of lady she is. Like, she can walk into something, pick up on what's being said, and say, praise God for that. And then she'll tell someone else, praise God, did you hear what happened? Okay, so I want you to understand that's why I picked her, because did you already put the verse up? Okay, because the verse starts in the NIV. Go ahead. With she was very old. That's terrible. That is not why I picked her. (laughs) But, But... Here's the thing. She was very old. I love that phrase. You know why? What's your excuse? Because some people use their age as an excuse. I'm I'm too old to do that. I can't can't serve in that way. I can't do that thing. I mean, I haven't asked the Holy Spirit if he wants to empower me to do that thing. I just know I'm too old. I just know I'm too young. I just know I'm not educated enough. I just know that I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm a this. I'm a that. What's your excuse? Because if you want an excuse, you'll find one and you'll just keep drifting. But if you recognize that every moment can be holy, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're man, woman, educated, uneducated, does not matter. If your heart is open to the Spirit of God, you you can just step into it. Here's the other thing we learned from, from our friend Anna. Life is hard. And sometimes that's our excuse. (laughs) I mean, you don't know what I've been through, Pastor Tom. You're right. I don't know what you've been through. But your difficulty can either be your excuse or his opportunity. Because this woman who stayed for at least 77 years, 57 years, she was probably 13, 14 when she got married. We don't think she was married at that young of an age. So she was 20, lived with her husband 27 years. 84. How many years? She's, what's she doing with her life? She's in the temple. She's worshiping. She's fasting. She's praying. You know, I've never met a Christian that worships, fasts, and prays regularly who's bitter. You don't know. It's been so hard. You don't know how people have treated me. Can I, can, can I encourage you? Fast, pray. You don't believe me? Look at Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. And the peace of God. Oh, Pastor Tom, if I could just get the peace of God, I would pray. <laughs> I got bad news for you. It comes through prayer. It doesn't have to be a polished prayer. It doesn't have to be like a, a very like well-spoken prayer. It just has to be a, God, I need you. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be broken. I don't want to make excuses. I just, I want every moment of my life to be holy. Here's the thing. Fasting and prayer are wor- and worship are weapons. They're weapons. And we won't win without them. We won't. We won't change the city without them. Can I tell you that this you, you plural in this verse, present your requests, plural. Present, that could mean many requests, but it also says present or will guard your hearts and your minds, plural, plural. What you see in this passage is not about just me and my prayer time. It's I'm praying with people. Every revival throughout history started with groups of people that prayed together. 
Can I tell you, we will not change this city until this church or a church catches the vision that the only thing that's going to change this community is the power of God in prayer, corporate prayer together. I challenged people yesterday in something I wrote on Facebook. I said, get in a church, get involved, get plugged in, and go to every prayer meeting you could ever find. Start some of your own prayer meetings. Go to other churches when they're having prayer meetings. Pray with other people. Because can I tell you something? Prayer affects everything. It's not because it just does something out there. Prayer unites us. And so if we are in a room praying together for God to move in our city, the Spirit of God in both of us unites us. How do, how do you get united? Churches that pray together don't split. They don't, at least uh, the ones that we're praying together. It unites our hearts. It transforms our minds together. There's a corporate aspect to this thing. Worship is not just a slow song. It's not. Worship is humility, it's surrender, it's obedience, it's all of those things. But worship is a slow song also. And let me ask you this, this morning, as we were worshiping in this room, how many of you were imagining that we were actually doing battle together? And how many of you were bored? I don't know, that was a hard one. But can I tell you, sometimes you got to come in the room and you got to be like, I don't care what song we sing. I don't care how well it's sung. I am about to battle. I couldn't even sing today. But I imagined myself, well, and I had the hindsight here, battling in heavenly places with you. That's Anna. That's Anna. All right, let's look at Jesus. Oh, Jesus starts in verse 40. If you want to skip one, one slide. Jesus grew strong, filled with wisdom. Grace was on him. Everyone heard him amazed at 12 years old. Here's the thing. Some people think at 12 years old, Jesus wowed them because he was the Messiah, the Son of God. I don't. I think Jesus knew the scripture because he studied, just like every other Jewish boy. I think Jesus did whatever it took as a human to get to wherever he needed to get. I think the Spirit of God was upon him at his baptism so that he, as a human being, lived through the power of the Spirit the same way that you and I do. This is why I think that. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Hebrews chapter 2. Surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them. This is Jesus. Fully human in every way. Fully human in every way. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. How is he able to help us if he is God? He had God powers that you and I don't have. He didn't. He had the Spirit of God living in him the same way that you and I did. Don't, mis don't misunderstand me. Jesus was fully God and fully man. He just chose not to, to access 
his rights, privileges, powers as Almighty God. John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Here's what I hope I've deposited in your heart. I think 2024 can be an incredible year, not just for Restoration Church, but for other churches in our community, for this community as a whole. I think we could see a transformation that literally not, not only shakes this city, but can shake our state and could shake our nation. And it's not going to come through the ballot box. And it's not going to come through social media posts. It's going to come when a, a people begin to get into the book, begin to study the book, begin to obey the book, begin to study the book together, begin to obey the book together, begin to pray together, begin to fast together, begin to seek God together, begin to understand how the Spirit works and step out together. When the people of God begin to believe that every moment can be holy, we could change the city. So the question, let's go back to it. The last, or the next to the last slide there. How are you listening to the message? What message? Any message. The story of Christmas, that Jesus came, that he died for you, that he came to, to put the spirit in you. Is your heart hard to it? Does the hard heart need to be broken up? Is the, the, the soil thorny? I mean, you believe the message. Yeah. If anybody asks you, yeah, I believe Jesus came. Yeah, I believe his spirit lives in me. Praise God. But the question is, is that fruit being seen in your life? Or is it being choked out because you're too busy, too caught up in the stuff of this world? And it's time to do a little bit of pruning. Maybe it's the rocky soil, the persistence. Can, can I tell you, everybody gets weary. Everybody. Everybody has bad days, bad weeks, bad months, sometimes bad years. The, the question is, how long will you stay there? When will you recognize, like the prodigal son, in that pit, I don't have to be here. I don't have to be here. I mean, I'm still a son. I'm, I've made a mess. I've squandered all that I've had. <laughs> I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and be a servant. Because when you go back in humility and say, I want to be your servant, he makes you a son. He makes you a daughter. So my question to you is, what is the Holy Spirit highlighted for you today? If you would say, Oh, nothing. I would say your heart is hard. If there's nothing that the Holy Spirit says, hey, here's where we not here's where we should start. Here's what we should cut away. Here's where we should step it up. Because here's here's the thing. In 2024, I'm going all in. I mean, we just bought a dumpy building. And we got to remodel it. And it's going to take the power of God to get that project finished, to get the, the vision for what we want to do with it. Can't do it by myself. So who's in? Who's in? But you really need to count the cost because it's not going to be all fun and games. 
it's not all going to be like, yeah, look at us. We're doing everything. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be discouraging at times. And there are going to be times there's going to be fights. What? Pastor Tom, I'm a realist. The question is, will we stay together? Will we press in, lean in fast? When we hit a wall, will we argue about it or will we fast and pray together? And if we start praying together now regularly, anytime any difficulty comes, it won't tear us apart because the Spirit will unite us. Do a study sometime on prayer and the Spirit uniting our hearts in the Scripture, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So the challenge is, in 2024, who wants to be a part of changing the city? That's our invitation. And I want to give you the next few weeks to think about it. I won't preach again until January 14th. Yeah, so you won't get to hear my voice This is the last thing you get to hear me ask for three weeks. And then I'm going to ask you in three weeks, who wants to be a part of changing this city? And I'm going to give you three words that I think are going to be a priority for us if that's going to happen. And so, Father, thank you today for helping me make it through. Forgive me today for anything I said that didn't come from you or your word. I pray that any ways that I misspoke, that you would cause it to just fall off of everyone's ears and be forgotten. But Holy Spirit, the things that come from you, help them to go deep into our hearts today. God, we want to be good soil that produces a harvest a hundred times that which is planted. But we know that's going to take perseverance and diligence. It's going to take each of us being intentional, being engaged, working together to build your kingdom in this city. And so Holy Spirit, help us. For each one of us today, show us the one area that you want us to step out in this week. One change we need to make. One thing we need to do one area of obedience. And then Holy Spirit, help us to follow through. Challenge us, encourage us, empower us. This week ahead, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for putting up with me for today and uh, sticking with me through the the crazy voice and uh, going a little bit long. I want to remind you, uh, out in the back, the table has all of the information that you might need, the devotionals for the the weeks ahead. Uh, Offering baskets are out there as well. Don't forget to stop by there before you leave today. God bless you as you go.